welcome everybody uh, here this morning. It's good to see so many of you. Uh, some of you have uh, joined since the last time I was up here, so that's uh, pretty cool. Good to see you guys. Uh, and if you're listening online, we're glad that you're taking some time to uh, check in with us and just uh, put the word into, into your heart as well. I, I guess we think there's people online. We're not actually sure if anybody's listening. So if you are listening online, maybe in your car or wherever you are, would you send us an email? Just send it mark at kingswaychurch.ca. Let us know whereabouts you're from and listening, uh, whether it's worth us keeping this online or not. But uh, we're glad you're here. And so this morning, I just wanted to touch on, uh, and talk a little bit about what, what you believe. Uh, talking about what you believe. We all believe different things. And it's why there's all kinds of battles and all kinds of arguments. And, you know, it's, we want to we think that what we believe is right and what others believe is wrong. And today's not really a conversation about that. It's not about who's right and who's wrong today. I just simply want to talk about how does what you believe affect your life? How does what you believe affect your life? Uh, what you believe can affect what you do. Um, in the 1700s, uh, in France, it was actually illegal for anybody to, to grow or consume potatoes. I know, the creators of the French fry, it used to be illegal in their country to even consume potatoes, and it was because they thought they were poisonous. You know, they tried feeding potatoes to the dogs, and the dogs wouldn't eat them, so like, well, they can't be good for human consumption. Nobody gets to eat potatoes, and it was, just, um, it was uh, this, this rule that was made by the royalty of France. And so uh, there was a guy there named Antoine, um, I do my best here, Parmentier. I think there's a potato dish named after him for all the cooks. If I butcher that, I'm sorry. But he was um, imprisoned in a, in a Prussian prison. Uh, prisoner of war camp. And in that prisoner of war camp, over the, the time that he was there, all they fed the prisoners was potatoes. And so as he ate these potatoes every day, he realized, well, I'm not dying. And it's actually, you know, we're, we're pretty well sustained. And so he went back to France and tried to encourage them to, uh, to integrate the potato into their diet, and they wouldn't do it. And then France, during the time of Marie Antoinette, went through severe famine. And so he was there, and he, he creatively tried to, to, to get them to embrace the potato. He would send the king and queen flowers, but they were potato blossoms. And then he, would, uh, he decided then uh, that he would start planting potatoes. And he planted a 100-acre field of potatoes, and he surrounded it with armed guards. And all the peasants and everybody would look at this potato field, and they'd, they'd look at, at uh, these armed guards and wondering, what is he growing in there? Because they had no idea. They had never seen potatoes. But he... He allowed the armed guards to stay around there till the crop was grown and ready to harvest. And then one night he told the guards, you guys can have the night off. The next morning they came back and half the potatoes were gone. The peasants had ransacked it thinking these must be super valuable and took them and potatoes soon were all over France as a result. Thank goodness, I know. For all the French fry people, thank goodness. But it's interesting. There was nothing wrong with the potatoes, but what some people believed affected how they lived. They wouldn't touch them because they simply believed that they were no good for them. And for many of us, the what we believe, it affects what we do. But not always. Not always. How many of you believe that it's uh, good to drink, you know, eight glasses of water a day? Just a quick show of hands. How many of you think that there's, it's a good idea to eat five to seven servings of vegetables a day? Mm-hmm. How many think it's a good idea to save money? How many think it's a bad idea to text and drive? Uh-huh. How many of you think that, uh, that uh, reading the Word is good for you? Mm-hmm. How many think that uh, talking nicely to your spouse is good for your marriage? So... <laughs> You know, there's a lot of hands raised, but I'm not going to ask. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand for this one. But how many of you do all those things? <laughs> uh huh. How many of you lie a lot? All right. So, <laughs> you know, it's that thing. We like, yeah, I believe all those things are good for me. I believe that those things I shouldn't. But 
But even just simply believing them doesn't mean that we actually do them. So in some ways, our beliefs actually affect our actions, and other times, they don't. And what I want to share with you this morning is what we believe matters, but what we believe in and what we trust in matters more. Because there's a difference between believing something and trusting something, and that's what I want to touch on this morning. Because there's, there's things that we believe, but then there's things that we actually trust, and that trust, it leads us to action. So there's some, there's, I want to just kind of put two thoughts here. One is this side of, I believe that. I believe that something is true. So yeah, you know, I believe all those things are good for me. The other side is, I trust it, so I'm doing it. It's motivating me to action. So I don't know, I think every dad does this with their kids, but for me and my kids, Max and Finn, I, I, as they were growing up, I'd always put them on, on these, like, on the counter or somewhere. And last night, there was a 12-foot ladder here, and Max climbed halfway up it. And, you know, the, I'll always tell them, do you think Dad can catch you? Do you believe Dad can catch you? And they're like, oh, yeah, Max, no problem, right? I'm like, okay, jump. And Max will just jump right away. Finn, all the, you know, he's, he's not quite as brave as Max. and be like, Finn, do you believe that Dad can catch you? And he looks at himself, and he looks at the jump. And he's like, he nods because he saw Max do it. And he's like, I can't, you know, and so I'm like, okay, jump, Finn. And he does one of these, sticks his butt out really far, arms out, leans, reaches. Come on, Dad, come a little closer. Grabs my fingers, pulls me close. I believe you can do it, Dad. You know, there's a difference between those two. And, and for, for some, you think, oh, it's not a big deal when it's a little jump. I saw this video, and I don't have time to show it, but I encourage you to just to Google it. It's called Boyfriend Pushes Girlfriend Off Cliff. Uh, and so, I, I know. Here's a picture of it. Um, uh, this is before. Uh, so, the, 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 the video is of this, this guy and this, uh, his girlfriend. She's going on a 200-foot rope swing jump. And she signed up for this. She's pumped to do this. And so she stands at the edge, and they're doing this. They're making this video. She's like one of the bunch that's uh, like they've a whole bunch have done it already. And they're like, do you believe this is going to be, you know, it's going to be awesome. Oh, yeah. You know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to hold you. Oh, yeah. And, and so she, she's like, ah, I just can't do it. And her boyfriend talks to her and just like, go the closer to the edge. And so they count her down. Five, four, three, two, one. And she can't do it. And so like, you hear the video go over and over. Four, three, two, one, zero. No, no, I'm not ready. And so finally they walk her right to the edge. Her boyfriend takes her right. She's like, you're not going to push me, right? You're not going to push me. I'm like, I'm not going to push you. I'm not going to push you. Uh, and so then he gets her right to the edge. And they count it down. Five, four, three, two, one. He's like, whoosh. And she goes over, right? And she falls all the way down. And she screams out, I'm breaking up with you. All, all the way through. It is just, it, you just, you got to watch it. But it's this, this thought of trusting it. Versus taking the step, believing that the rope's going to hold you, or taking the step off the edge. And, you know, in that same simple way as that boyfriend had to, had to kind of push her to what he knew was true, I kind of, in a gentle way this morning, want to push you a little bit to take that step into what you know is true, but to, to allow that belief to be more than just something I believe, but to allow it to trust and affect your life. See, many Christians don't realize that they're simply living in this realm of, I believe that something is true. Yeah, I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I believe that God loves me. I believe that God is good. But their lives, they, they, that idea of trusting that with their life, it isn't there. And so James, the brother of Jesus, so it's pretty amazing that we actually have a letter from the brother of Jesus that we can read today. But James, his, um, he wrote this letter uh, to the Jewish believers who had been scattered all across the Roman Empire because of persecution. And he wrote, the, he wrote this, and some of you are like, well, why would we read something written to Jewish people? 
We know that as, as followers of Christ, there's no Jew or Gentile, male or female. In God's eyes, he says, you're, you're my child, your family. But James wrote to the Jewish people because they were, they were prone to some, some Jewish issues, which was they would always want to go back to the law. They were like, yeah, we'll follow Jesus, but, but you know, we should follow some laws too. And so he was writing to them about that. But the Jewish people were prone to things that everybody's prone to. They were prone to prejudice prone to looking down on others who weren't quite in the same level as them. And that happens all over. We see it all over, and maybe sometimes you even experience it in your own heart sometimes. And for them, they, uh, they were looking down on the people in their congregation who were poor. You know, they said to the, the rich people got special treatment, and the poor, well, they were allowed, but they weren't treated the same. And James is like, that doesn't make sense. As a follower of Jesus, it should affect the way you treat people. And so he says this in James chapter 2, verse 14. If you have your Bible, crack it open or open the app, and uh, you can follow along on the screen. It says this, what good is it, he says, dear brothers and sisters? And I'm gonna, I'm, it's, the word faith gets used all the time in this, but I'm going to I'm gonna tell you the, the two different sides. One is simply belief, that I believe something. The other is I confidently trust it. And so he says to them, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have belief, but you don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of belief save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, goodbye, have a good day, stay warm, and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, belief by itself isn't enough unless it produces, and remember that word, very important, unless it produces good deeds, unless it produces action in your life. He says it's dead and useless. Well, I'm a Christian. I believe stuff. I believe that. He says it's dead. It's useless unless it causes you to act, unless it causes you to, uh, to affect your life in some way. You know, there's lots of useless things. I found a few online. I figured I'd show you real quick. So there's this, this thing, right, where you can clip it on a table to hold your cup, but you could just put your cup right on the table, right? So I don't, I don't know. Uh, and then for those who like the kitchen, um, here's my favorite shredder because then I don't have to do nothing, right? And then there's this sign I think was in Selkirk. Um, yeah. So, you know, useless things. And some of you thought, oh, maybe I'll see my husband up there. No, but uh, yeah, there's, there's lots of things we say that are useless that we would have no, uh, and we think it's kind of humorous. But it's not when he talks, talks about faith and says, your, your belief, it's on the same level as all of those things. That's dangerous. So in James chapter 2, verse 18, he says this. Now, someone might argue, and as he's writing this letter to them, he's, th- he's thinking, you know, Somebody might say this as a result. They might be like, no, my, my belief matters. It's sincere. And so he says to them this. He says some might argue that some people have belief and others have good deeds. So you just need one or the other. He says, but I say to you, how can you show me? How can I see your belief if you don't have any action, if it doesn't affect your life in any way? He says, I'll show you my trust by my actions, you'll see that my belief, my faith is genuine because of how it affects my life. And he says, you know, some of you say, hey, I, I believe in God. And maybe you've heard it before. We hear it often. You know, oh, yeah, there's these people at work. They believe in God. They just don't go to church. They believe in God. But, you know, I just don't know if there's anything more than that. Um, James wrote to them and said this. You say you have belief, you know. And uh, he says, for you, believe that. You believe that something is true. He says, you believe that there is one God. He says to them, good for you, because even the demons believe that. And they tremble. They go one step further. So there's people who say, oh, yeah, I believe that God exists. 
yeah, I believe that Jesus died on a cross. I believe that. I believe that. I believe that. But it doesn't actually affect their life in any way. And he says, you know what? That kind of faith, that kind of belief, it's useless. It's, there's no point to it unless it leads to something else, unless it leads us to action. So my question and his question was for us, does our belief affect our lives in any way? Is it belief or is it trust that we're living in? And Steve Demi, this guy who sent out an email, and I thought, you know, uh, it, it, I guess it went out yesterday, but my sister-in-law, Tracy, texted me. She said, hey, you got to check this out. And then a few minutes later, Chris Stone emails me and says, hey, you got to check this out. And so I'm like, well, I'll check this out. And then I thought, hey, you guys probably should check this out as well. It was a study done a few years ago by Back to the Bible. They studied 200,000 people's lives uh, over many years. And here's what they found. They found that of people who were engaged in the Bible four or more times a week, and engaged isn't like, hey, will you marry me, that type of thing. It's that idea of read, studied, allowed the word into their heart. They found this, that 228 percent were more likely to share their faith with others. For some, they're like, are you, are you Christian? Yeah. Do you share your faith? Oh, I don't know what to say. Uh, and he said, you know, the ones who spend time in the Word, 228% more likely to share their faith. 407% more likely to memorize Scripture and put that in their hearts to keep for later. Here's a couple interesting ones. 59% less likely to view pornography. 30% less likely to struggle with loneliness. These kind of things, too. It's not just simply one addiction or one struggle. It would, it would affect others as well. And it said this, which was even uh, equally surprising, that those who did not engage, who didn't read or study the Word most days of the week. So this is for all the ones who are like, yeah, I just kind of went to church on Sunday. You know, I read the Word because Mark read it to me. That kind of group. He says that, that what they found is that statistically, they were the same as unbelievers. There was no difference in their life at all from saying, I believe that, I believe that, I believe that. So he calls us to, to, to be a part of the word, to allow that, to, that we say, I don't just believe it's God's word. I trust that it's his word. I trust that it's important for my life. And so we've been encouraging you to get involved with YouVersion. YouVersion's an app you can download for free, uh, and you, it, it uh, gives you the chance. It'll remind you to, re to spend some time reading the word. It's like, it's not like this thing that spiritual people just automatically think about it. Sometimes you need a reminder, just like every husband needs. You know, hey, you're supposed to take out the garbage, or hey, you're supposed to fill the car up with gas, or whatever the reminder is. Sometimes it comes from your wife, sometimes it comes from Siri, right? But the same idea here is it'll remind you to spend time in the Word. And we said, too, for those of you who are like, well, I, I don't read good, just push the audio button and it'll read it to you. And for some, you're like, well, I fall asleep when somebody reads to me. Push the video button and you can watch it. There's no shortage of ways to get the word in our heart, and I'd encourage you to do it. And if you join version, you can end up having some of us as your friends on there who will encourage you in reading. And if you, if you sign up for version today, please sign up, uh, add Chris Stone as your friend. He is the greatest encourager of all those on version. So, you know, you read, I uh, see him, like somebody finished a study, he's like, you rock that study, you know, or you, you read something, he's like, that's awesome, I love that verse too. And, and it just inspires you to keep going. You're not in this alone. I would encourage you to do it for you. My question is, do, I, do you believe that? The Bible has good things to say? Or do you trust that it has life-changing things for you? Do you believe things that, do you believe that God is good? Do you believe that God is good? When we see it on the screen, it's like, yeah, it's easy to believe God is good when I can see pretty colors and butterflies and flowers. Yeah, I believe God is good. For many, it's a simple thing. Do you believe that God is good? But do you, do you trust that he's good all the time? Do you trust that he's good all the time? You see, Jesus said, 
in Matthew 19 that God alone is good. He's good. Jesus said it. The psalmist wrote, taste and see that the Lord is good. James earlier in his letter said, every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights. If it's good in your life, it came from him. You know how you know whether you believe that God is good? Is when your circumstances change. When your circumstances change, do you believe that God is good when everything's going great? You'll find out what you really trust when your circumstances suck. When you're going through really difficult times, you know what happens for some? The ones who are just like, oh, I believe that. I believe that. I believe that. I believe that. Run into difficult times and like, oh, I'm angry at God. I can't fathom how any person ever has the right to be angry at God. I'm sorry, I just don't. He's good all the time. If there's circumstances in your life, there's another being at work. There's an enemy at work, but it doesn't change the fact that God is always good. But do you trust that? Because in all of your anger at God, he's reaching out to help carry you through, and you're not grabbing that hand. Because you're, you're angry at the only one who can carry you through. But he's good. Which one is it? Well, I believe that, or do you trust? Does it affect your life? Louise M. Stead said this, and it was interesting. She wrote, she wrote the Songs of Triumph. It was a book of songs. And she wrote this song called, Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus. For those of you who remember the hymns, Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus. It sounds like, man, Songs of Triumph. Oh, I love that. These victory songs. She wrote this song when um, her and her daughter and her husband, her daughter was four, her name was Lily. They went out to the, to the beach for a, a picnic in the sun, and it was in uh, New York. And while they were eating, they heard these these uh, screams for help. There was a young boy who was drowning uh, just in the water, just off the shore where they were. And so her husband jumped up. He ran out towards the, the water, and he saw the boy and ran in to rescue him. But as so often happens, that child floundering grabbed onto him and dragged them both under the water, and they both drowned right in front of her and her daughter's eyes. And as she witnessed that, she was left without a husband, but left without a, without a job, without an income, without a, a, a way to support themselves. And shortly they ran out of food, and pretty soon they ran out of money to buy food. And it was out of that moment of being destitute and desper- in desperation that she began to pen these words, "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus." Would you write that in a moment like that? Just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promises and to know Thus saith the Lord. We're going to show a video at the end of the service that just shows this story played out as people came and began to put groceries on her, on her uh, doorstep. And she began to realize, Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him. How I've proved him over and over. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust you more. She says it later, I'm so glad I learned to trust thee. Precious Jesus, save your friend. And I know that thou art with me and will be with me to the end. Her and her daughter shortly after that went to become missionaries in South Africa. And in their journey, she said, many times there was times where I found myself with struggles, but I just trusted and it carried me through. The words of that song came back to carry me through. Do I believe that God is good? Do I just believe that or do I trust it? How about you? Do I believe that God loves me? Yeah, I believe that God loves me. I sang as a kid, Jesus loves me, this I know for. Some of you went to kids' church, yeah. Uh, Can you believe the the words of this slide? There is nothing that you can do to make God love you more. And there is nothing that you can do to make God love you less. 
As a follower of Christ, there's nothing that you can do that makes him love you more. There's nothing that can make him love you less. And you're like, ah, oh, if I were to ask you to believe that God loves you, it'll depend on what kind of week you had. You know, you got up this morning, stepped in the cat vomit on your way out of the bed, and like, ah, oh, bleep, and oh, wait, it's Sunday. Oh, no, Lord, oh, yeah, I'm so sorry. You get, you get to church, you're, you're doing your penance right now, and you're hoping that by being here, that outweighs the bad. And you're like, oh, you know, and then you're like, well, okay, they say that God loves me, but I don't know if he likes me. You know, if he knew everything I did, well, he does. And you're like, mm, you know, I, I don't know. Do you know what he says that he loves you? And Paul, I love this. Paul wrote to the group of believers in Rome who were being persecuted, death everywhere for them. It was terrible to be a Christian in Rome in the first century. And he wrote this to them. He said, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or if we're persecuted or if we're hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? He says, I'm convinced. I'm not, convinced is this idea of I'm persuaded to act upon the fact that he loves me, that nothing, nothing can ever separate us from God's love. And then in case you wondered what nothing might include, he added a few things. Death can't separate it. Life, angels don't have that power. Demons don't either. Fear for today, worries about tomorrow, that can't separate you from his love. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate you from the love of God that's been revealed to you through Christ Jesus, our Lord. This was written by a murderer. This was written by one who persecuted followers of Christ and Christ himself. You think you've sinned and done some bad things. This guy did it all, and yet he says, I am convinced that God loves me. It's not like the little schoolgirl, you know, got the flower. He loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. Oh, I did something bad. He loves me not. He loves me. And so many Christians live their lives in this all the time, wondering and, and trying to earn God's favor and be like, oh, I'll try and be good because then I, I feel like he loves me more. He loves you. If you're a follower of Christ, he loves you. If you're not a follower of Christ, he loves you. He loves you. James chapter 2, verse 14 says this. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters? We read this earlier. He says, if you, if you say that you have belief, oh, I believe that, I believe that, I believe that, but it doesn't show in your actions, he drops a bomb with this one. He says, can that kind of belief save anyone? See, James takes it pretty deep. He says it's not just about this idea of, of affecting our present. He says this has the, this is, it's this kind of belief that affects our future. Not just how the belief affects our actions right now, but where does it affect our eternity? Can this kind of belief save someone? And this morning I want to encourage you with that because I believe that on Sunday mornings in churches all over the, all over the county and all over the country, and maybe even here this morning, it's filled with people who simply say, well, I believe that. I learned it as a kid. I believe that God, you know, that Jesus died for my sins. I believe that. Yeah, I believe all that stuff. Because I go to church because I'm a Christian. Does it affect your life in any way? James said this at the end. Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions? When he offered his son Isaac on the altar, you see his faith and his actions, they worked together. His actions made his faith complete. His actions made, I believe that, into, I trust you. That was, the, that was the idea of what happened with Abraham. It says, and so it happened, just as Scripture says, that Abraham trusted God, and God counted him as righteous as a result because of his trust, and he even called him the friend of God. And so you see, we are shown 
to be right with God by what we do. We're shown to be right with God by trusting in him, not not by uh, just believing something alone. See, for some, you you hear this and you're like, oh man, I got to do more good works. I got to be a better person. I really got to try harder. He's saying, that's not what I'm talking about. He's saying, it will produce it in you. If you'll simply trust Jesus, if you'll simply trust him, really trust him, it will affect your life. You'll see the fruit growing in your life because it comes out of, out of here. You know, they, they trusted that the Savior, they had seen risen from the dead. That was genuine. They trusted that he would take care of them, and they went out and shared that with, with others. So my question for you this morning, we talked about, do you believe God is good? Do you believe that God loves you? Do you believe that Christ died for your sins? Is that something you just like, yeah, I believe that Christ died for my sins? Or is it something that you trust? For those who simply believe that, oftentimes you find yourself trying to earn it still. It's like, I got to try and do some good works and hopefully God's going to bless me for that. There's a story of a man who ends up at the pearly gates. And as he sees St. Peter, it's a true story. St. Peter told me. He says, you know, as he, uh, as he ends up at the pearly gates, he says to uh, you know, he says, he says to St. Peter, it's my name. And St. Peter's like, oh, let me check the records to see if you're in the, in the book, you know, to be let in. And he's like, he says, well, you know, um, I, I'm kind of like, he, he, uh, he says, it might not be there yet. And, and Peter's like, well, I get an update every 10 minutes, so it should be here by now. He's like, well, he says, to be honest, I was kind of this, this, this guy who resisted it all my life. And he says, but it kind of, you know, in the last minutes, in the last minutes, he says, I, I did something that I think should get me in. And so they're like, oh, okay, well, then we'll just wait and see. And, and uh, you know, we'll just wait and, and see what happens. So, and Peter is like, well, well, why are we waiting? Why, why don't you tell me about some of the things you did in your life, you know? He says, what was, like, what was the best thing you ever did in your life? He's like, well, this one time I was driving, and he says, I, I saw, as I, as I was driving down the road, I saw this woman on the side of the road, and there was this bunch of bikers around her, and they were harassing her. And so he says, so I pulled over. And he says, I, I got out and I realized they were giving her a hard time. So he says, I, I walk up to the bikers and I said, hey, you guys, stop harassing this girl. And they, you know, the, the gang leader looked at me and he said, you better leave if you know what's good for you or we're going to show you a whole new meaning to the word pain. And he says, and I told him, pain? You guys better stop, stop harassing this girl. He says, I grabbed a tire iron. I walked right up to that leader. He had a chain from his nose to his ear. I just grabbed him. I ripped it right out. And I smacked him with the tire iron. And then I turned to the other guy and said, all right, who's next? And Peter's like, that is amazing. When did that happen? He says, about three minutes ago. And for some, for some that thought is that, you know, maybe it's going to be my really good deeds that are going to earn me some favor in, in, in God's eyes, and we're hoping, and we trust in that. But he says that trust has nothing. It doesn't carry you. We're shown to be righteous by what Christ has done, not by our own works. Jesus shared it with Nicodemus, and he said that to him. It's the most famous verse in the Bible, and I'll leave it with you. John chapter 3, verse 16, he said this, For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and his only son, so that everyone who believes in, not, not believes that, trusts in. He says, he who trusts in him will not perish, but have eternal life. The promise is, for those of you who put your trust in Jesus, where it affects your life, shown through your actions, he says, you'll have eternal life. Not because of your actions, because you trusted in Jesus. And it says this in verse 17, for he didn't come to condemn the world, but that through him, through him, the world would be saved. Do you believe that? Do you just believe that Jesus died? Or do you trust it? Does it affect your life? You're like, well, how do I trust in? 
Trusting in is simply this. It's putting my weight in something other than me. Right now, I've got my weight on my legs, and I trust they're going to hold me because they, they do every day. But he's saying this idea of, I'm going to put my trust in something else, that this will hold me. I put my trust in this chair, that it will hold me. And it's that same idea of saying, Jesus, I come to you because my life, I, the way I've lived it, the way that I've, the decisions I've made, God, I don't trust that they're going to get me into eternity. I don't trust that they're going to get me to heaven. I know there's things that I've done wrong. And Jesus, I trust that what you did on the cross, I don't just believe that happened. I trust that happened for me. I put my life in your hands. I trust my eternity to you. I trust as I live for you and follow you that you've got that covered. I'm not trying to earn your favor. I know you love me. And I'm just going to trust that every day when I wake up before I've done one thing good or one thing bad, you love me. Help me to live out that. He's saying putting your trust in him like that. Leave you with one last story. In 1859, none of you were there. You just have to take my word for it. There's a guy named Charles Blondin who... Uh, who would walk across Niagara Falls on a tightrope. He would wow the crowds because he could do incredible things. It was a quarter mile, and he would go sometimes on a, on a, in a sack, and sometimes he'd walk on stilts across there. Um, do we have a picture of him? I think we might. Maybe it's on the thing. But he would, one day he even took a little stove across, and he cooked an omelet in the middle of the, the middle of the falls, and then he came on back. And so then one day, he wanted to just up the ante if he needed to for any other reason. But he, he decides that he would walk blindfolded backwards across the rope from Canada all the way to the States. And as he got to the other side, he picked up a wheelbarrow full of potatoes, and he pushed that wheelbarrow full of potatoes all the way back across to Canada. And the crowds were cheering. And then he asked the crowd on the Canadian side, he said, how many of you think that I could push a man across in this wheelbarrow? And they're like, yeah, you can. For sure you can. You're the great blonde and you're amazing. And then he said, all right, who's getting in? <laughs> you laugh. Would you have got in? <laughs> I believe that. You can do it. I believe that. I believe that. But no one trusted in. No one that day got in that wheelbarrow. And for me, the question for you is this. What are things in your life that you just simply believe that, but he's asking you to get in? Maybe for you it is that idea that, you know, I believe that God is good. He's telling you, get in. I want you to get in. Maybe you say, I believe, I believe that God loves me when I'm good. He's telling you, get in. I love you all the time. Maybe for you, like, I believe the word's important. He's telling you, get in. Get into the word every day. Find it. Get it in here. Maybe you're like, yeah, I believe that prayer is important. Maybe he's saying it's time for you to get in. Go to Wednesday night and get in. Put your trust in me. And maybe for you this morning is I believe. I believe that, you know, heard the story. Jesus died on the cross for my sin, yada, yada. He's saying I'm calling you to get in. Would you trust me with your life? Because the world's full of Christians who believe that, believe that, believe that. Talk, 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 talk. We're famous for it. He's saying, I want followers who get in because what happens here, something happens inside here that affects your actions that the world can't help but see Jesus through you. Will you get in? Will Kingsway be a place of followers of Christ who aren't just like, oh, I believe some stuff. Now we got in. We trust in God with all of our heart, life, and soul. And out of that, it'll produce the actions. You don't have to try and do good works. He's going to lead you into those. But it'll come as a result of getting in.
Can we pray? Father, thank you for your word this morning. I mean that. I am really thankful for your word because it shows me what's going on in my heart, really. And so, Father, I pray that for each of us this morning, that as you reveal things in our heart, the steps that you desire us to take, would you give us courage to do that? Would you give us and help us to be obedient, to take those steps, walking with you, trusting you with what you say to be true, and seeing that uh, bear fruit in our lives? God, our world needs to, to see you and know you. I pray that they would see that through us this week, wherever we may find ourselves. Thank you that we don't leave you here, but that you go with us wherever we are. Lord, may, uh, may we shine bright for you this week. Thank you for this amazing family. I pray your blessing over them as they go from here. It's in your name for your glory we pray. Amen.